Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Big Fella Strength Podcast. Today, just got back from the gym. Uh, first day of the week, so of course, upper body bench press day. Um, working nine by one at 90% plus. Um, I did decide to go for a new PR on bench and in the past three weeks with the program that I jotted down I went up 10 pounds which is good you know um I'm gonna explain that a little bit um I'm kind of gonna explain my time in the gym you know the time spent in the gym today and um kind of traverse that into um a story time segment so the reason I call it a PR because it really wasn't my personal best but it was at the same time um I'm fortunate enough to lift in a gym where we actually have a certified USAPL um, judge and I had him sit there or I had him I had him uh, give me the commands and you know did did a competition PR kind of sort of even though it wasn't comp it was competition standard PR um I went from 300 pounds unofficial, really sloppy 300 pounds, to a clean 310. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, today, uh, working that 9 by one I started off at 80, 80% roughly, um, just to see how it felt. Um... And that was my first set. And then, because if you're doing a max effort day and you're going to work a 9 by one or a 12 by one you really want to work up to that 90%. The quicker you get there, the better. Because if you're spending more time doing 90% for... Um, for like eight out of the twelve reps or twelve sets that you have to do, then you you got more time under tension, time under weight, um, which helps build strength. But today I went for a PR just because I was feeling good and I needed to kind of know, you know, if my if my program that I jotted down was working. Good news, it is. You know, at least. Um, in the bench press arena, which is my one of my primary focuses. Um, but anyway, the most I've ever done unofficially, and it wasn't competition standard, is 370. Um, that's the most I've ever done on a bench press. It was very sloppy. Um, I bounced it off my chest. Not my chest, but that that border between your abdominal and your sternum where it's kind of cushioned if you flex your abs um i tend to uh bounce it off my chest and i preach this all the time for beginners for experts i don't care failure is the best teacher if you're honest with yourself it took me a long time. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, I've I've constantly lived by this. No, it's taken me some years of maturing to understand that. But I'm finally at that point where I'm like, okay, you know, so now I, I train competition standard. So with that being said, you know, 
I go down controlled, I hit my pause at the bottom, then I press, I hold it up in a locked out position, and then I give it a few seconds to emulate the command of rack. So for me it was a it was a competition standard PR because and it was act it was actually like quite impressive for me because I was only expecting like a five pound increase with me being fatigued already from the other sets that I did um I thought about going up to 315 on my last set and I'm glad I didn't because I just stayed at 310 and I did that again after I had had um one of the workers at the gym that was USAPL certified to judge um I had him call the commands for the first one and then on the second one I just did on my own accord um, the second one, slightly sloppy, not too bad, but it was difficult. So I'm glad I didn't make that jump. I'm glad I didn't get too, uh, overzealous and, you know, I didn't, I'm really proud of myself because usually I, I am one to get very overzealous, but I tapered down and I just stayed there. So I hit my I hit a gym PR twice for a one rep, which I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, that tells me that the training is really paying off. So, and I covered this before um, slightly in a in a previous um, episode. I had a lot of bad habits. And to this day, I'm still weeding them out, and I'm still paying the price. But I have a competition coming up in four months. Three, actually, three months. Three months now. So, now's, in a, you know, it was a very last-minute notice kind of thing, and it's still not a for-sure set-in-stone event. And... I'm in the army, so it's not an actual USAPL um, sanctioned regional or national. Like it's it's none of that. It's purely a it's it's held by um, this organization called MWR. I don't know, it's an acronym for something, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it stands for, but it's what typically hosts all the events that soldiers compete in when it comes to competing in events, or, you know, stuff like that, so they'll, they'll hold, like, events for, like, marathon runners, they'll hold a fight night for boxers, um, and they'll, and they're holding a powerlifting meet. So as long as we get enough people to uh, participate, um, I will be competing in that event. And I'm, I'm really hoping so because I, I'm working for it, you know. And if I can keep on this, if I can keep on this steady rate of putting 10 pounds on each month, I'll be looking at a three... Uh, 340 bench press um and honestly like I would be happy with that you know a 340 competition bench press raw for me I'm okay with that so um so let's talk about some of my bad habits so this is where story time kind of comes in um, bad habits that developed when I first started strength training, big one was my squat form. I would hinge at the hips terribly. I'd hit depth, but I had such a narrow squat 
and I'd hinge at the hips really bad. Um, and on numerous occasions, you know, I would be putting weight on my back that if I put any more on there, I'm hinging at 90 degrees, you know, I'm level with my hip crease and that's not good. Um, but when you're young, those are the kind of bad habits you develop, especially if, uh, if you, if you don't take the time to listen to your weights coach or weights teacher, whatever it might be, if you're a high school lifter, um, because that's what I encountered. My, my coach would, my coach would constantly tell me that, you know, my squat form was terrible. All right, well, put 470 on your back and tell me my squat form's terrible. You know, that's the mindset I had. You know, don't don't tell me the person who's squatting 470 pounds is a 16, 17-year-old and you, a 40-year-old man, can't even come close to the weight that I'm putting on the bar. Like, don't tell me what to do. And I got I got kind of dangerous and kind of mouthy when I like came into my own I guess when it came to strength and I'm lucky I didn't get hurt I'm lucky I didn't get hurt um I did I mean I did get hurt in high school um my junior summer going into my senior year I tore my ACL meniscus right before school let out my junior at the end of my junior year um playing a game of basketball I had torn my ACL and I didn't know it I just figured oh you know some kid hit me in the knee he fell on me my knee went invert inverted and tore my ACL but I'm just thinking, oh, I just got a stinger, you know. I'll recover. I can still walk on it, you know. Most, and that's the problem. That's one of my biggest problems is like, and really any strength lifter's problem is, is they're too strong for their own good. Somebody tears their ACL, you're not walking on that thing. You know, I'm out here. Oh, whatever. I got, I got a squat. I, the last lift I have to do for my weights final is squat. And I intend on hitting 470. And I did that. I hit 470 on a torn ACL. I came in the next day because 470 felt easy. And I start warming up with 135 on the bar. And I couldn't even squat that. I got stuck squatting 135 the day after I squatted 470 on a torn ACL. So, and I, at this point, I still didn't know what was wrong. So I was just like, eh, I'm happy with what I got. Maybe I'm just, maybe I just need to give my knees a break. You know, dumb kid stuff. You know, I'm impervious to pain. I'm impervious to, to injury. I'm Superman and I can do it all. Two weeks went by and I noticed walking was a struggle for me. And I was walking with a limp and I told my mom, I was like, I think that I might have a serious problem that needs to get checked out. Um, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of grinding in my knee joint and I can't fully lock it out. Like it just kept giving out every time I tried walking, you know, so I'd walk with a limp, you know. So, I walk in to get my MRI at the hospital, and after looking at my MRI, my doctor looked at me and said that it should have been impossible for me to be able to walk into the hospital. And I told him, I said, well, I've been walking on it for, for a week. I've even ran on it, you know. And he just looked at me like I was crazy because he showed me the, the MRI and scar tissue had 
already started to build up and you could see flex little tiny flex in my knee joint and I was like well what are those flex and he's like that's he's like the only way I could explain it without doing a scope on your knee which is gonna have to be done eventually he's like that's probably the remnants of what your ACL was I said okay so that thing's not there so sh sure shit they go in before my surgery you know obviously and they're scoping my knee and usually they have to fucking you know kind of polish it all the flex away well or, or like a typical ACL tear it looks like an unraveled ball of twine mine wasn't there you could see through the hole between you know my my leg where my knee was the you could see through the hole where the ACL is supposed to be and it was just a black hole there was nothing there you know and you could see flex all around the joint and then they showed me my meniscus my meniscus had been torn and I decided hey I want to try and repair this in, er, meniscus instead of completely clipping it because that's going to lead to more knee trouble in my future if I clip it. So, you know, that's the product of me being dumb and young and I recovered, I came back, um... I put 410 on my back for the first time and I squatted it good. I was happy. A month later, halfway through the school year, I tear my meniscus again. This time I decide to clip it because recovery time is faster and we'd already tried to repair it and it didn't, you know, it didn't take. So I was like, you know what? Go ahead, clip it. I'll deal with whatever comes next on down the road. So they clipped it. And I went in at the end of the year and squatted 470 again. So I made a I made a full comeback. I adjusted my form, but it was nowhere near close to what good form should have looked like for me. Um, you know, and I brought my bench press up to an ugly 350, where I was bouncing it off my chest, and. You know, I I graduated, and that kind of is where my training progress kind of remained dormant because I was working. I wasn't going to the gym initially. I was focused on trying to make some kind of money, hanging out with my friends, having a good time before we all had to grow up. You know, typical, I just graduated high school stuff. College, like playing college football was out of the question because I didn't have the financial means to support myself um, as a collegiate athlete. So, yeah, um that happened and like I said my training progress went dormant it kind of went into hibernation and said oh well you're done with high school and I carried some weight on my shoulders just because like football football wasn't my f first sport you know if I had to choose a sport to play for the rest of my life when I was in high school I would have said baseball but I stopped playing baseball my sophomore year due to due to discrepancies within coaching staff. But I was honestly far better at football than I was at baseball. And, you know, that was my sport. That's what I did. That's what I was passionate about. Didn't get to do it my senior year. So it's just kind of like, well, 
I ain't got nothing to do now, you know. So, over the years, or over the year, I tried working in multiple places. It didn't work out at two of the ones that I tried. So, I was like, and before I quit my second job, I had started working out again because I started my recruiting process for the Army. So, I asked my... I asked my uh, my recruiter, I was like, well, what should I be doing in the gym? Running an upper body. Okay. So I kind of trained, I trained heavy upper body a lot. Um, but it was still like everything else was dormant, you know, and I never straight barred deadlift in high school. We always hex barred. And I'll, I'll get on to deadlift here in a second, but this is, this is kind of like where I distinguish what happened with me and my, and my time of, uh, training digression. So I joined the army and I started my recruiting process at 240 at a fat 240. Like I had more fat than I did muscle. Um, you know, my legs were getting smaller, so it was all just top heaviness. Um, so, you know, I get through and I, I got down to like 220 on my body weight. I get into the army, I go to basic training and in three months, four months, I can't really remember how long it was, um, I took my body weight from 220 to 180, and, you know, I got decent at cardio for a heavier set guy, because I'm short, so even at 180, I was looking pretty heavy set, so, you know, Got to my unit, and the first encounter I ever had with my first team leader, he's like, we're going to the gym. Today's squat day. So we go to the gym. Me not having touched us, you know, me not having squatted in well over a year and a half. I put 320 on the bar. 315 my apologies and I just start hitting it for reps my team leader gets under there and you know he struggled to get it for one you know I hit it for five so I'm feeling good but I really didn't get back into power I didn't get back into strength training you know so, I continued on, and then when I came back from Christmas leave, I was like, I'm tired of not having a hobby. I'm tired of sitting in my room. And that's when I was like, I want to power lift. That's what I want to do. I started watching videos. I started watching, I started listening to guys who've been in the powerlifting world for 40 plus years. And just like absorbing and absorbing that that um described environment, I'm like, that's it, this is what I wanna do i lot i didn't get I didn't get to play football F- football was my passion, I didn't go to college for it, but this is something I can do, you know for the rest of my young adult life up into you know my midlife so why not you know so that's when I really got into it I came back and in February I hit a straight bar deadlift for the first time in my life and I did 450 and I was using straps which you know 
I'll tell that short story real quick, and I'm going to keep it very brief because I hate even acknowledging their existence because they are evil. You cannot use straps in any form of competition that I've ever seen. Any big format, especially invitational format, like even in the WPO where you can use the multiply suits, you cannot use deadlift straps. So, you know, I'm sitting there, and I, I didn't, of course, it, at the time, I didn't care, you know. I just wanted to try and start doing some heavy strength training so I could get to a point where I feel like I can start powerlifting. So I was very new. I started using my old high school's program again. I took my bench to a 370, ugly, ugly, you know, I would have got three red lights because, you know, I'm bouncing it off my chest, I'm not waiting for commands, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to get it in and get it out, so... Moving on to my squat. I switched up my squat form, and this is probably the thing that improved the most. Um, considering. I widened my stance to a, like a sumo s squat. And I learned how to engage my core with the belt because I never really lifted with a belt in high school so I learned how to engage my core with my belt and keep that upper body support and keep my chest up while I squat I got my squat up to a 535 and then deadlift I was deadlifting Officially 590 with the straps. And, you know, that continued for the better part of the year. We get back from BPTA where I spent most of my tra time training, you know, and the pandemic hit, so gyms were closing. We get back, gyms start opening up on post. Um... And I didn't go in there for like four months. And I was just like, I'm just out of it. Like, I, I I was discouraged because I couldn't hit 600 on deadlift. And, you know, then I looked at USAPL's approved gear list and straps weren't on there. So I was like, my hopes and dreams were crushed. I was like, that's it. I started a bad habit and I've let it go to the point where... It's going to take me years to get back to this point without the straps. You know, the only thing I could speak good good on was my squat. Well, needless to say, I'm getting ready to get out of the army. So, They put me on borrowed manpower detail where I'm working in the gym as a staff member or an, a simulated staff member. And I started talking to um, the manager who's certified in USAPL. Um, like he's able to judge all three events, the bench, the squat, the deadlift. So I was talking to him about it. And he was like, hey, man, he's like, you're 21 years old. There are guys that don't start doing this until they're 22, 23 years old. Because usually they get out of college, they wait a year, and they discover this through a friend or through videos and they relate to it because they've done strength training. So I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this guy out and he's like, if you fix the things that need to be fixed, you know, you could probably go somewhere if you work hard enough. 
So right then and there, I made my second verif my second verification of me wanting to powerlift. But I had to, other than my squat, I had to take my numbers down. I said, these numbers are fake. They're a waste. Like I said, failure is the best teacher if you're honest with yourself. So I wrote them all down on a piece of paper. I wrote my squat. I wrote my bench, my best PRs. And I wrote my deadlift all on one piece of paper. I tore that piece of paper up. I threw it in the garbage. I said, I'm starting from square one when it comes to bench and deadlift. And I might as well be starting at square one for squat because I haven't been in the gym so long, you know? So really, that's what this month has been for me. It's been rediscovering the proper ways and proper techniques and the proper forms on how to perform these lifts competition standard. Because at the end of the day, whether we do this competition through the MWR or not in the next couple months, I'm going to come home and I'm going to try to compete. You know, and I started educating myself earlier on. I have all the tools. I understand all the tools that I have. I understand how they work. Conjugate method, which is the one that I primarily use. I just was too, mm, what should I say? I was too closed off and closed minded to trying something new. But I came into the gym my first month, right? First month back, and I'm working and I'm doing my old stuff before I had this conversation with, you know, the gym manager. And I didn't go anywhere, you know. I did it for a month. And usually after a month, I see at least a 10-pound gain on everything. It's not working anymore. I was actually losing numbers, I said, okay. I said, I know what I have to do. So I programmed a, I programmed a month of the same, the same sets and reps that I would do normally in my old program, but I changed the, I changed the dynamic. I changed what I was doing within you know, that I told myself, I said, I got to spend longer amount of time in the gym. I said, if that means taking long breaks in between sets, that's fine. Whatever it takes, spend more time in the gym getting stronger instead of spending the least amount of time getting weaker. So I would throw, I threw in a... So five by five week, I'd obviously hit the main lift of just benching five by five. And then I'd throw in um, like a nine by two floor press after I'd get done with the main lift, you know. So this and this kind of translates back into conjugate method. Same motion different way so that's what I did I started working on dumbbell presses floor presses incline presses all in one workout session on top of my main lift and so far you know I'm and I'm three weeks into it now and you know nine by one Nine. This week is nine by one, and I PR'd on my bench press. I was working at sets with percentages for three hundred pound max, and that three hundred pound max was sloppy. I did two ninety, um, decent competition standard, and 
I did 300 semi-decent competition standard. I go in there today, I load up 310 on the bar. I actually have somebody that's judged multiple events judge my bench press at 310, and I did it competition standard, and he gave me the go. He's like, that's a good, that's a good bench. He's like, that's, he's like, that's a three light bench right there. That's a three white light bench. So, I, I don't want to sit here and say that I went through tremendous adversity, but it's a, it's a life lesson. You know, I, I had to fail a lot to get to the point where I'm at now. And had I not experienced those failures and finally learned how to be honest with myself through those failures, I'd still be doing the same bad stuff, you know? So I'm feeling really good about my bench. My squat, my squat's always improving no matter what I do. Just because I'm a natural squatter. Like that's my lift is a squat. I'm short, I'm stocky, I'm big in the legs. So that's my lift. But at the same time, While the squat is my lift, the deadlift was my lift when I was doing it with straps because that's the one that I could do the most and I could just, I would go crazy on deadlift day. Well, I stopped using straps so I could work on grip strength so I can finally build up to that point where I get up to a 500 pound deadlift and I can hold it in my hands just fine. That's the one I'm the least confident in. That's the list. That's the lift I'm the least confident in because every day, every day this month, working these sets and reps on a deadlift day, I'm just sitting there, and I'll get to that last set. You know, hands are already excruciating tired, and they're all calloused up. And I'll, if it's a five by five week, you know, I'll get through four reps and then I just can't hang on to the bar for that last rep. And I look at my hands and I've got a callus torn off, look like somebody cleaved it off and I'm bleeding all over the place. I try to engage the bar again, but I'm just like, there's no way I can't, I I've reached my hands have reached that limit where they're saying I can't hold this anymore. So that's something that I have to work on. That's one of my adversities that I still face as of right now that I have to work on. But I'm happier now that I've decided to make this the change that I made because at least I'm doing it honestly. I would rather do a 450-pound deadlift, honestly, than deadlift 600 pounds dishonestly using supportive gear that's not authorized in a lot of federations, most federations. I'm pretty sure every federation I've considered you know, competing in when I get done here in Germany I decided to compete back in the States every federation I I have looked into doesn't allow it and on the big formats the big formats for raw no absolutely not no straps allowed on the big formats for multiply because that's where I want to get to one day is competing multiply it's not allowed. So what's the point of using them? You know, so that's why I think they're the most evil things in the world because I now know how much they help. And had I not started using them in the first place, I probably would be stronger, you know, 
in the deadlift. That would probably be my strongest lift to this day. But anyway, um, yeah, the whole lesson to take away from this story time is it's never too late to make a change. And this goes for all aspects of life. But it's a lesson that I learned through lifting. And that's the beauty of the sport is it teaches you life lessons. You know, um, West Side vs. the World. Great documentary about the greatest gym in the, in the sport of powerlifting. And one of my key influential people that I listen to religiously, Dave Tate, goes on the documentary and he's talking about lifting with Louie. And, you know, that place was such a hardcore place, you know, Louie didn't allow any kind of complacency if you get if you get hurt or dinged up during a a workout you know no mercy you're gonna finish you know and Dave Tate says it best you know he he made Louie keep up with him and Louie ended up getting hurt and Dave Tate says you know he basically says you know if it was me you wouldn't let me skip out because you know you don't care that I'm hurt if I want to get better if I have a goal to achieve I have to fight through the pain to achieve that goal not in those exact words but that's what he was saying essentially you know he said, today you're hurt, yeah, but tomorrow if I'm hurt, you going to let me skip out on a set? Absolutely not, so why should I let you skip out on this one? And that's, that's a life lesson, and it teaches multiple things. It teaches, one, accountability. It teaches accountability of your peers. If you and your peers are doing the same thing, no matter if it's in the workplace, no matter if it's outside of the workplace, and they're not upholding to the standard that has been set that you are being expected to hold up hold up he's going to you are you need to check that person and say hey listen dude i don't care this is the rule this is the standard that's been set i'm following it and i'll be damned if i'm going to sit here and watch you not follow the same standard. That's the accountability aspect of it. It also teaches that and this is this is it sounds corny, it's cliche, but what happens when you when you get knocked down? Are you just gonna sit there, lay there, and accept defeat? Or are you going to get through it, get back up, and try again? These are all lessons that you learn in that you need to learn in life and that are often taught with strength lifting. And... I've learned those lessons. I still have more lessons to learn. And I'm eager to learn those lessons because I would rather learn it in the gym than have to go out there in the real world, get smacked in the face, suffer some kind of financial travesty, and learn it the hard way. 
I'd rather learn it in the gym. Oh, you got a cold today? Well, that's too bad because you got to go to work. You got to pay the bills. You know? So, that's that's the whole takeaway from the story. Some of you might have thought that I'm, I've just been rambling on about my experience. Talking about how hard it was to get to the point that I'm at. <clears throat> Excuse me. That I'm at right now. You can think that all you want. But if you're if you're sitting there thinking that, then you're not getting the true purpose of this, the lesson to be learned from this episode and from this story. But anyway, enough with the dad talk, as I like to call it. I'm not your father's. Um, but that's the, in summary. That's the greatest thing about this, this, you know, strength training, you know, the sport of powerlifting, training for powerlifting, is you learn all the hard lessons that life has to teach in the gym. If you are a driven, motivated individual, you will learn these lessons. And I've learned these lessons... I still have, like I said, I still have more to learn, but I look back at myself, I look back at the life that I've had, and I'm glad that I've learned these lessons through lifting instead of having to go out there into the real world with a blindfold on and learning them the true hard way. So, anyway, like I said, enough of that ad talk. Um, but on, on the, on the getting better in the weight room, and this goes for all ages, all kinds of experienced people that might be listening, when it comes to getting better, be honest with yourself. If nobody's there to keep you in check, then the least you can do is hold accountability towards yourself, because... If you hold accountability and tell your, if you go for a PR and you say you hit 500, but it's kind of iffy whether you hit depth or not, it's not a flip a coin thing either. You know, it's not, you're not tearing flower petals off of a flower saying, I did hit depth, I didn't hit depth, I did hit depth, I didn't, you know, you're not doing that. It's either you did or you didn't. And if you didn't, you got to tell yourself, eh, well, I put 470 on my back. I got down, but I wasn't low enough. Be, be hard on yourself. Because the harder you want, if you're hard on yourself, then you're doing more than what most competitors are doing. Because there are a lot of competitors out there that have coaches and their coaches aren't even hard on them. So, I'm not saying, you know, if you have a traumatic injury, you know, go out there and do something stupid. But what I'm saying is, is hold yourself accountable, right? Nobody likes that guy in the gym that says, oh, yeah, I did this, I did that, you know. And then you go look at his Instagram, and you see him do it, and it's just like, bro, you didn't go low enough, or bro, you're bouncing that off your chest. I've fallen guilty to it, too. But I'm sharing my lessons that I've learned, in hopes that, I catch somebody early on and they listen to this podcast and they just completely weed it out. They weed out all the bullshit before they even get into the gym. And for you guys that are listening, this this is also for the guys that have had experience in the gym and haven't been being honest with themselves. This is a wake-up call. 
do it. Be honest with yourself, even through failure. So, but... Getting pretty close now. Um, I don't really want to do anything past an hour. So, this is where I'm going to start to kind of wrap it up. I've been seeing that I'm getting more and more listeners. And I hope those listeners keep coming to listen to these podcasts because each episode has information. Each episode has something for you to learn, I promise. Maybe not at the more elite experience level, but for the novice, beginner, slash amateur level, there are lessons to be learned. So... You know, don't just listen to one episode and say, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I get it. I don't have some of the credentials that these these other coaches, trainers, performer, or not performers, but competitors. I don't have some of that experience. I don't have the credentials that they have. You're right. But I guarantee you that there's a competitor out there that has not, learned how to be honest with themselves through failure i promise you there is because i see it all the time i i can go out there on youtube and find a video of a dude bombing out of a raw powerlifting meet because he can't even get past the squat because he's not going low enough on depth because he's not training to go low enough on depth because he's not being honest with himself. So he'll load up a thousand pounds onto the bar and he'll go down, but he won't hit depth and he'll come back up with it, make it look easy. Well, guess what? You just got three red lights because you didn't go low enough. So, and that's all a product of complacency and not being honest with yourself, especially during training. So, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up now. Um, this has been my official story time for you guys. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about next. Um, but I'm going to find it. I'm going to find a subject to talk about when it comes to strength training. And I'm going to make the next episode within you know, the next couple days. I'd say three or four. Um, so if you are a religious listener, and I hope I'm starting to get a few, please just keep checking. Turn on and subscribe. Um, whatever app you're listening to, follow. You know, I know I'm on Spotify. So follow me on Spotify. Get the notifications when I post a new episode and listen in. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the listens that I get. And as always, live strong, get strong, keep grinding. Have a good one.